go. Hi, folks. Welcome to the Seventh Chevron, the Stargate SG One podcast. I'm Rick. I'm Ro. And this time we're going to be talking about the First Commandment, which is going to be a bang up show. I can tell already because this is an awesome episode, in my opinion. Uh, spoiler alert! I liked it. <laughs> um, However, uh, before we get too far into this, I would like to uh, take a moment to put out a bit of a mea culpa to all of you wonderful listeners out there. Uh, I have been editing the the last few shows, and you know this is this is what episode five, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I've noticed that I've been sort of coming across as rather unenthusiastic about doing the show, <laughs> and I I, I <laughs> at the risk of, of well, not at the risk of anything. I just, I want to apologize. In hindsight, maybe starting a new show right at the same time that uh, I was finishing up a semester of a, after a really particularly rough year might not have been the best time to start. So it wasn't that I wasn't into the show or that I was bored or anything. I was just exhausted. And uh, But now uh, it's the summer break, and I've had a couple of weeks to decompress, and uh, I've really looking forward to doing more shows and i promise to bring the fire every time from now on and uh and ro you've been awesome I, you, you've oh been really doing a fantastic I, job man yeah. i've been it's, well these last few weeks have been very busy for me because i i've been in the process of moving so i've just been just like uh so tired but no i'm bringing i plan to i always promise to be enthusiastic and i'm ready for this one this is gonna be a good one i think too yeah, yeah. So with with that behind us, let's move on and talk about the first commandment. And boy, this one kicks you in the balls right out of the gate, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> so here was my thing. I remember when I first watched this episode, I really what I was actually done on the episode. But I recently watched it again and I was like, okay, this is actually really not that bad of this episode. It's actually really good. But yeah, totally just let's go ahead and talk about it. So go ahead. Yeah. This one starts off really dark, both figuratively and literally. You're in a, a dark forest and there's mist and smoke and stuff and and then you see a couple of guys in in Stargate uniforms come running out of the out of the woods and they're huff, huff, huff. oh no something's chasing us and then you see like shadowy native looking guys with you know war paint and feathers and dreadlocks and mud helmets and yeah. stuff and they're chasing them and one dude Connor is ahead of the other dude Frakes and Frakes takes a blow dart with a bright red feather so you can see it uh to the shoulder and he goes down, and and while he's running, he drops something off of his arm, which we'll find out is the the remote control that sends the signal to tell Stargate Command to open the iris, so they don't go splat when they come through. And so they go. He's going back to look for it, and uh, he finds it, hands it off to Connor. Connor runs on ahead. Frakes drops. Connor goes back to save him after dialing the Stargate. Uh, and uh, Frakes is like, go, go, leave me. And then we see another dude in Stargate uniform or SG uniform come up. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, wasn't it his like the underling? And then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to get the, the, the order right. Um, yeah. So we, we see the Stargate in the distance uh, because Connor finally goes like, okay, I, I, I go. And we see the Stargate close and the, the, the other SG guy who's wearing a, a towel on his head and, and he's got his gun and he's pointing it at Frakes on the ground. Uh, he, we see that he sees that the Stargate closes and then a whole bunch of these scary native guys come out and then one dude, one of our, you know, one of the Stargate people wearing this robe comes out. Now, by at this point, the, uh, the, the, the tall Stargate, did we ever find out his name? The, which, the, the lackey. Oh, it's uh, Lieutenant Matthew Baker. Ah, okay. I think so. Uh, he grabs Frakes by the hair, who's laying on the ground and, you know, half paralyzed by the, the, uh, the, the blow dart. And the dude in the robe comes out and he starts going, oh, I'm, I'm so disappointed in you, my son. And then he pulls out a forty-five and blows him away. Mm-hmm. And then they, they burn the body. So dark. Uh, and that's our teaser. <laughs> yeah, that's just the beginning before like the credits roll or anything. Yeah, good times. Um, so right off the bat, we're we're dealing with some heavy shit. Yeah. Um, so then we, you know, after the after the credits, we come back and we've got SG One coming through the Stargate, 
And they're talking about how this planet has really super high ultraviolet radiation, so they have to they have to wear sunscreen and sunglasses and stuff. Uh, and it's amazing that there's all these these trees because you know they're in this you know giant mm-hmm. like a, you know redwood forest. And uh, um, Sam, she notices like there's no birds. Yeah. Like, that's like a weird thing. Like normally you'd hear tons of birds and things like that in a heavy forested area. So it just kind of tells you that, hmm, there may not be life on this planet. Yeah, some, something's up. And so Jack's just there to find out what happened to SG-9, which is the the, the, team. the people we've seen, the team, yeah, the team we've seen already. And uh, so they get separated and Daniel is stumbling around being, being as unstealthy as he ever is. And then the dude who supposedly went through the Stargate Connor grabs him from behind and puts a gun up to his head and Daniel says no 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 don't shoot and then Jack comes up behind Connor puts a gun to his head and says that's a really good idea and uh, then they find out what's going on uh, apparently this the, the, the commander SG-9's commander Captain Jonas Hansen uh has gone all apocalypse now and has set himself up as a god to the natives of this planet and is you know having killed the oh well they they find uh lieutenant frakes or the the pile of ash that used to be him you know his his dog tags are in the middle of the ashes um and so connor's like He's he's lost his mind. He's gone nuts. He's killing people left and right. He's staking people out to die in the in the in the in the sun because being out in the sun, even for these natives, is deadly. Uh, yeah, they, and, they, he found like that. Yeah, these people they live in caves, which used to be mines, and they basically just stay down there. There's like, and that's all they do are just cave people. Mm-hmm. Now, this this plot line is probably inevitable, and I'm kind of glad they're getting it out of the way at the beginning. Uh, you know, we're still kind of laying the groundwork, I think, for how SG teams are supposed to behave. You know, we keep joking about the prime directive from Star Trek, but we, we kind of see that that attitude is, is the, the reason for something like that is is becoming more clear with each episode. Mm-hmm. Because what what Connor tells them is, you know, they came through the Stargate. The people there, because they came through the Stargate, assumed they were gods which is uh, kind of going to be a recurring theme as as the show goes on and has been already. Yeah. Um but he he said that Hansen believes it too. Uh and I guess he he decided to play god as a way of keeping them safe at first but then uh kind of drank his own Kool-Aid after going out to 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 like rescue uh, a child. Rescue a child, yeah. So he was outside for 2 days. Um and he came back and he was just nuts. Now I don't know if you caught this. While after uh, after they found Frakes's remains, mm-hmm. and Connor explained all this to him, uh, Jack and Sam kind of walk towards the camera, and that's during that. And, and we have this conversation where we find out that Hanson is Sam's ex-fiance. Yeah, I, I figured that when they kind of mentioned it, but yeah, that's yeah. Um, but what I didn't notice until the second time I watched this is that while they're talking and we're and we're we're getting this you know exposition, if you watch Connor in the background, he's burying the ashes. Oh, I did not notice that. That's crazy. That's that's cool. He's he's just putting handfuls of dirt on it, and then Daniel pulls out a collapsible shovel and starts helping him. Oh wow, that's actual, you know, some. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> That's that's a, a neat uh, neat little bit of a uh, of business there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Jack wants to send Sam and Connor back to uh, SG to the SGC to make a report uh, <laughs> because Sam has a, you know has has had a relationship with with Hanson, and now that they've found out he's the bad guy, uh, as Jack puts it, he he's coming back with us voluntarily or not and and i think we know what the or not will mean oh absolutely yeah he's <laughs> either coming back to get court-martialed or not that's right it's yeah. basically yeah you're either gonna get screw your career over or or not <laughs> pretty much and sam says no and, and jack's like oh, I, I beg your pardon yeah like <laughs> hello uh, and she talks him out of it and then he says all right well connor you go back and report and connor's like no <laughs> <laughs> and like colonel O'Neill's like does 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 it not say Colonel on my, 
on my sh- <laughs> on my jacket or like my shirt. <laughs> like all these people are um what's the word? Like they're insubordinate. Yeah, insubordinate. <laughs> it's crazy. But being being Jack, he he's like, well, all right, because they they basically both talk him into it, and uh, so they they're all gonna stick around. Um, now, I thought there was a bit of a missed opportunity at this point because Jack says, all right, well, I guess we're all off to see the wizard. And I was looking at Teal to see what if he was going to yeah, say, say anything. Yeah, say, who's the wizard? And he there was a little twinge on his face, but that was about it. Yeah. There wasn't really a lot of comedy in this episode, of course. Like you said, it was basically very dark. And it, it basically stood like that way throughout the entire episode. I didn't really re- recall any other funny moments uh well they they they're going on there there's a little bit of one okay uh they they camp for the night um well uh connor explains that they they need to move they need to go about uh during the day if they're going to sneak up on them and jack's like well why why would we do that and it's because the natives all sleep during the day because the the sunlight is so harsh they do everything at night <laughs> I, I was even thinking they mostly come at night mostly <laughs> Um, so they can't, they, they, they decide, okay, they're going to camp out for the night and then they'll, uh, they'll attack in the morning. And there we have the, the one bit of comedy. They're sitting around eating their MREs and, uh, oh, yeah. and Daniel Jackson goes, Hmm, this tastes like chicken. And Sam's like, what's wrong with that? And he goes, this is supposed to be macaroni and cheese. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not, that's so fun. And I don't know. Have you had a history with MREs? Like, I actually used to eat a lot of it as a child because my father was in the army, and he always bring extra home. So I didn't feel like cooking, and I'd eat MREs, and I, I always enjoyed MREs. So I don't. I've only eaten one once when I was in basic training. They had just they'd pretty much just come out. It was they were still a new thing, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was in basic training, I was in the air force. Um, we had one, you know, Air Force Basic is different from all the others. Uh, there's not a whole lot of, of, uh, of you know, camping out and, and shooting and running and jumping and climbing trees and stuff like that. It's it's more it's more of a mind fuck than anything else. Mm. Um, they they want to be sure that the folks sitting on the buttons are you know wired well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, you know, there's some there's some physical activity, but for the most part, it's it's mostly how well do you follow orders um but there was one one day we all got to eat an mre uh and we didn't even get to eat the whole thing i i i honestly have absolutely no memory of how it tasted um, they're not bad i i think my favorite thing of it because like you know when I was, a, I was a child i was like ooh, it's like camping but i'm at home and i'm not camping but while it's probably not like the most appetizing of things, I always remember like the fruit cocktail. It was a dry brick. And you just had to mix it with water, and then you got, were able to eat it. And I thought that was like the coolest thing. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's probably not like it's like it's not the high end of cuisine. But you know what? It was is good enough. So that, well, that's the thing. They're designed to to keep you alive and to be eminently portable, and they do both of those really well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they're camping, and they, they build up a barrier, like Tilk, like they have a barrier, like a perimeter set up just and with alarms just in case if they were to attack, like, you know, those people were to attack, and lo and behold, they actually end up do attacking, right? Yep. Yep, we get, well, first we get this this uh, really nice monologue. I'd like to, uh, what, what was the actor's name? The guy that played Connor, uh, his name is uh, Roger, no, uh yeah, Roger Roger, Roger, Roger Cross. Cross. Wait, no, that's not what the That's what IMDb says, and it looks just like him. Yeah, but when the in the um in the actual show I thought it said Russ. I thought it said his name was Russ. Because huh. I was wondering if he was any relation to Tim Russ. No, William or... Russ as Captain Jonas Hansen. Oh, oh there it is. Okay. I'm getting <laughs> my I'm getting my actors mixed up. Never mind. Um well then that answers that. He's not related to Tim Russ, I shouldn't think. Um did, did you watch Voyager at all? Nope. Nope. Okay. Um, Tim Russ was the Vulcan on Voyager. Mm. Um, okay. Roger Cross then does some really nice work uh, as Lieutenant Connor. And he gives a really haunted monologue about how Hansen had staked out three guys and made them stay out in the sun for seven days straight. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and how it you know it when they were done they brought them back in and it, they were blind and, and bleeding all over and and he says you know I'd I'd rather eat a bullet and you know foreshadowing yeah <laughs> <laughs> indeed uh, so the bad guys attack. And there's blow darts flying all over. Nobody actually gets hit by one. And I, I found it odd that they never actually entered the camp, or at least it didn't seem like they did. But then once the attack is over, Connor's gone. Yeah. It, it's weird that they didn't show him being appreh- apprehended or abducted. It was just kind of like, it just happens. Like, okay, I guess it happens. We don't need to see it actually happen. But we know he's no longer there. Well, I think they did that from a, a you know, the... The team didn't see it happen either, mm-hmm. and so we got the we got to experience the same the surprise at the same time they did. The holy shit, where'd he go? Uh, and then, of course, you know they're on a, a, an alien planet in the middle of the night. They don't have any idea where they are, so the thought of going after him is just impossible. And so you you kind of see that that conflict on O'Neill's face, where he's like impotent rage. I think was would be a good uh, a good word for it yeah then after the attack they basically oh, the, yeah it's, that's right it's daytime right yeah they, yeah they go to daytime and then uh and then they they find the 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 uh i don't know what you call it the, they find the caves and what we see is uh, a quarry uh and lots and lots and lots of people working in the quarry and you find out that Hansen is having the people build him a temple. Is 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 it this point where Hansen is telling Baker that he needs two shifts because this is taking too long? I think maybe it was a little bit more further down, perhaps. I'm I'm not sure. I I don't recall now when I think about. It, but he does he does tell his um his lieutenant like you know this is they're not going fast enough and and like yeah, but it does happen. Yeah. No. Actually, no. This is this is that point because okay. this is how you know we find out. They they come walking out of the cave and they're looking down in the quarry of all the people working and and Hansen says the temple isn't being built fast enough, and Baker says well the you know it's, it's like that scene from Empire Strikes Back or from Return of the Jedi, you know my my men are working as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. Well, Hansen says they're not working as long as they can. We not we need two shifts, and Baker says but people will die and and Jonas doesn't give a shit. He's yeah. like. You know, I am their god. They will be happy to yeah, die sacri- in my service. Yeah, sacrifices will, must be made and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then SG-1 finds this quarry, and they're looking down, and they've got their binoculars, and they see Connor staked out in the sun. And they're like, oh, shit, this is exactly what he didn't want to happen to him. Mm-hmm. And it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely happening. He's looking beat and tired and just... Yeah, it just it looks the sun looks looks so draining. I'm like, oh, I know how that feels. Like sun, just, oh yeah, uh, hot weather, no good. So Jack's like, all right, I'll be back in half an hour, and everybody's like, no, you can't. He's like, I'm just going to look. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we see Baker attacking a, a a worker who stumbles, and Sam decides that she's not going to stand there and and let this dude get beaten to death. So she goes down. And of course, this was they kind of say this was part of the plan anyway was for her to get captured because she needed to talk to Jonas because like she basically was like I, I'm their only way in really because I can I can talk to him because he knows me and yeah like that. So she goes down and grabs Baker and decks him, uh, and then they just end up capturing her. Yeah, and and then she just surrenders. She doesn't uh, fight back. And then we have a great scene between her and Hanson. Yeah. So. Now it was very interesting because. When she first got there, Hansen was afraid of her. I don't know if, if, you, if you've watched it again recently, but at the beginning of their conversation, he won't meet her gaze. Oh, I, I kind of noticed that, but I just wasn't thinking anything of it. But now that you say that, that does make a little bit more sense. That's kind of it makes it's just interesting. Yeah, how come he wouldn't meet his gaze if he was... Would you think it's because of the fact that she denied him the marriage? Well, I think it's it's have you ever run into an ex that you never really got over and the breakup wasn't your idea? Yes, but it was a way 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 like down the road where it didn't yeah. matter anymore, but no, I the, the just that uncomfortableness when you see an, when you see an ex like you never 
I had that feeling when I see exes that I broke up with and it didn't end in a, in a positive way, like that awkwardness. Of... Yeah, but there, but there's more to this, like, because she, yeah, because she refused him. Maybe, maybe it's a guy thing, but I know that, like, I, I have an ex that uh, she broke up with me and while I was furious for the longest time, I also spent quite a lot of time building her up in my mind as far more impressive and imposing and amazing than she ever was. Ah. And we actually finally got, we got back together again a few years later. Part of the, the way it happened is we, we would, we would encounter each other in like social situations or in, or in a, in a way that was not in any way a date or anything like that. And at one of these points I was helping her with something and I don't, I don't even remember what I said or what I, you know, what brought it about, but it was somehow it came through. She's like, you're, you're, you, you've forgiven me or, or, and I was like, yeah. And, and, and I gave her a hug and it was just all of a sudden this, this artificial construct of her that I'd created just crumbled and suddenly she was a real person to me again. Hmm. Um, and I think that's what we saw here. You know, I may be I may be giving the actor more credit than he deserves. I don't know, but it, at the at the when he was first talking to her, he kept like giving her his his kind of prepackaged manifesto lines and stuff. But he he would just sort of glance up at her from time to time. Most of the time, he was talking into his lap, and it was almost like you know, here is this person who is the only person in my crazy little mind who is worthy to sit next to me, uh, but she has all this power over me. And then at one point she, she find, he's like, you know, I, you know, I, I really want you to be by my side. She's like, no. And it's like that moment, just all of a sudden he changes. Hmm. And, uh, it, it, I thought it was, it was really cool to see because he's, you know, he's crazy. He even admits he's crazy, but he also fully believes that he's a God. And then of course, Sam does something that, further cements his belief in that she, because she, she grabs a gun yeah and she's got it on him and he's like all right go ahead shoot and boy was i wishing sam would pull the trigger. i know you would think that <laughs> just to, to it would just be all over and done with like you'd have uh, your problems would be solved just go ahead he obviously isn't he's at that point in stage where he's not going to back down from his own belief that he is a god and he's continued to sacrifice all these people just for his own purpose. I don't, yeah. It's like, I, I, I kind of, when I watched it, I'm like, why didn't you shoot? Like, I would have, I mean, I mean, I guess I do kind of answer towards the end of the episode, but I just don't understand why she didn't do it. I don't know, but that's just. Well, me. there's, there's also the other side of this relationship coin. Have you ever encountered an ex that you broke up with them and you felt guilty about it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you don't feel like you made the wrong choice, there's this guilt of, oh, wow, I really hurt this person. Some of that's going through her head, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I guess that could make some sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've always wondered, not in a, gee, I'd like to sort of way, but more of a, a, I've never been in that situation, but what must it be like to be one little twitch of your finger away from ending somebody's life? That's true. I mean, the act of shooting a gun is easy. It's very easy to shoot a gun. How hard is it, unless if you're not an absolute psychopath, to end someone's life, even when the action of doing it is incredibly easy to do? That's you know, true. I, I, yeah, I don't know if we could give her, if we could criticize her for not doing it, which is, you know, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, the whole time you're watching it, you go, just do it, just fucking get him, shoot him, shoot him. <laughs> Then of course the episode would be fifteen minutes long. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't last that long. It'd be pretty short. But no, like yeah, she just basically and the thing is, yeah, it was a it's a really good powerful scene because you could just see how he has that conviction in himself. He's like, I am a god. You I know you wouldn't do this. I can I control the situation because I am a god. You can't shoot me. And it's just like, wow, that that belief, that full fledged belief, like you know, um for me it's just it was just 
you know, I, I'm reminded of a lot of things about this episode in regards to religion and faith. And, you know, for me, on my history of, like, I was brought up Catholic and I did, I did, like, the whole young life Christian thing in high school because all my friends did it. And now I'm, like, considered an agnostic, agnostic atheist. And I'm not really big on religion, but at the same time, it's like, I'm at the point now where I'm not like, oh, boo-boo on religion because whatever, if you want to believe it, believe it. But it's just that that undying faith that people have in general is a is a very powerful and very scary thing cuz yeah so it just it just reminds me of that sort of stuff like people who would die for a certain uh a faith or a cause and it's just like man without like without reason and it just it is just it just reminds you that you know there's there's people out there that are like that but i don't know just it's just it's just scary <laughs> And then, uh, then we find out what he really has in mind, and he shows Sam he's found a piece of gold technology that will shield the planet from the ultraviolet radiation and and make it livable again. Um, and he wants Sam to turn it on. I loved it where, where she's like, "You don't know how to turn it on, do you?" And he goes not my area of expertise mm -hmm. he's like and she's like then she realized like that's the reason why you know oh that was brilliant yeah <laughs> that's that's when she totally tipped her hand because she gets upset she goes wait you didn't want me here because you wanted me you wanted me to turn your damn machine on so even though there was no way in hell she was going to get back with him She's pissed that that's not what he really wanted. Yeah, that's kind of a, uh, it's a... It's a weird thing in regards to vanity among human beings mm -hmm. to have that sort of thing. But, I mean, some people, like, you know, when you're when it comes to exes and things like that, you still want to have that belief that if you're the one that broke up with them, that they still, in a way, kind of want you, which is a stupid vanity thing. No one should ever feel that way. Don't do that. Just, if you want to end it, just end it and just move on. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, it's like... How many times I, – I, well, I, I know I do it, and I, I am disgusted with myself every time I do it. But you hear about an ex that you broke up with, has gotten together with someone else, and you're like, hey, you're, you're, you're supposed to be sitting in your dark room in misery because you can't have me anymore. You know? That's silly. That's hilarious. But that's also very, very silly. Yeah. Every time that happens to me, I slap my brain. <laughs> Stop that. That's stupid. Um, but it, it's just so funny that, you know, she's like, what, you want me for my mind? What's wrong with you? <laughs> but of course he gets, uh, you know, turn it on or else, uh, you know, on her, she, she's looking through it and, and Jack goes to rescue Connor and he gets captured. Uh, but in the meantime, well, uh, I guess I'm kind of skipping over. They, they, uh, they decide that they need help in order to infiltrate the camp and get Connor out of there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they noticed this one worker. I, th I was he the dude that was that Sam saved from getting yeah. up? Because yeah, because okay. basically um, Daniel and Daniel Jackson and all of them they're trying to figure out, like who can we get to help us? And, yeah, they basically tried to figure out who would help them, and then Jenner's was like looking through the tele the binoculars and was just like, oh, I found the perfect person, and it was going to be that kid that got beat up. Yeah, and so he he wanders off to to the stream to get some something to drink and Daniel and Teal'c bring him in and then they they take him off into the woods and they're trying to convince him that Hansen is not a god and they're good guys and and finally they they convince him and they start talking about well they try to find out what uh what's Hansen's deal why are they why do they believe he's a god well he said he is and he says that uh what's the dude's name ja it's jamala or something like yeah, that jamala. jamala yeah um he says that hansen promised to turn the sky orange and everybody's like huh? except teal who's mm, mm. orange you say yeah <laughs> go on <laughs> and uh so teal draws this this rudimentary drawing of a of, of something and jamala goes yeah that's the thing um and they realize it's the, the, the device that, that Hansen has. But Teal'c's like, yeah, the Gwald used these to terraform and to keep radiation out. Uh, but you need two of them. And Hansen's only got one. And we need to find the other one. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And uh, <laughs> so Teal'c draws this 
you know. It's like the most, it's, and I think it's like the <laughs> most off drawing of every, I mean, it's like somewhat close to the same time. It's like, it's really not that good of a drawing. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And, and Jamala goes, good drawing. He's like, <laughs> he looks like, why, thank you. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with my drawing. Um, but so Jack and Jamala trade clothes. And Jack goes to rescue Connor, and Jamala, Teal'c, and, and uh, Daniel go off to look for the other uh, uh, shield generator thingy. Um, and <laughs> now this this was this was something that I didn't really catch the first time through when I was watching it this afternoon. I was like, Jack sneaks up to to Connor, who Connor goes, "Kill me." And Jack goes, well, really? I came all this way to save you. He's like, oh, Jack, I'm so happy to see you. Nate doesn't say that. but um, So he cuts him loose, and they just start walking away. And the other three dudes on stakes are just sort of watching this happen and don't say a word. <laughs> you, you would think there'd be some, uh, yeah. hey, while you're cutting people free, yeah, you like, want to... <laughs> like, save me too, save me. They were just basically just, I don't know, it was just so weird. Like, if I, if I was, like, if there was any way for someone to try to help me, I would try to... Probably on a stake, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, they don't get very far before Baker stops them, and <laughs> Jack calls him a name that I'm sure he didn't even understand. Um, they call him a brain brain dead sycophant. Is that what he called? Yeah. Him? <laughs> um, but of course, they they bring him into the into Hanson's cave, and Sam is there, and and uh, you know, Hanson's get this thing working, or I'll kill them. And so she turns it on, and and of course it doesn't do much. Puts on a nice light show, but you know, he doesn't realize yet that he needs two. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, back in the woods, our intrepid trio find the other one uh, remarkably quickly. Uh, but you know, it's only a forty-minute show, so yeah. Um, and they bring it out. And uh, and Teal'c's like, yeah, I can turn it on, but we need, you know, he. That's when he explains that you need two of them. Uh, and so they they hatch a cunning plan to rescue Jack and Sam and discredit Hanson all at the same time. So <laughs> Hanson's basically set up a toilet of death. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I ha- that thing must take a, like a lot to just set to set the Stargate down very flat like that on the ground. Just I don't know, but yeah, he had quote unquote followers and worshippers so i guess he could have done whatever so but yeah he had it set up had them lay the the stargate down and uh brought uh o'neill well brought o'neill and connor and and sam to the stargate and they also had his his shield generator and he's making this big deal about these demons from another world. I'm going to send them back whence they came. And he dials up the Stargate and it, it opens up and, and uh, all the people are like, ooh. And Sam's like, if you send them through without the the, the uh, IDC code, they'll die. And Hanson's like, mm, sucks to suck. Um, and just as they're about to, to push our intrepid heroes in, Jamala shows up and staff weapons baker which was nice to see mm-hmm. and then there's then daniel comes in and says he's not a god yes i am a god no you're no you're not this is a gun it's no big deal and hansen's like fuck you i'm turning on my machines and i think he gets pissed off because all it does is make some pretty lights but it doesn't turn the sky orange and he also tries to shoot jackson and then um sam ends up giving him a nice little oh, kick right. to, to, yeah. to basically take his gun out of his hand that's right. So Sam is just badassing all over the place in between, uh, you know, the, the whole relationship weirdness. Um, and then Jackson says, we can we can make it work, too. And they send up a signal and Teal turns his on and then the, the sky turns orange and everybody freaks out and they all grab Hanson and throw him into the Stargate. Yeah. Pretty, Everything's all better. Yeah, it's kind of amazing how his followers just easily turned turned on him like that. So I would you would think there would be some people who are like, no, don't do it, believe in him, be bonged out. But no, they they were they seem to be pretty smart about it. Well, I don't know if it's so much that as you know, what did they say? They'd been there for nine weeks, mm-hmm. and in that time, this dude convinced them that he was a god with nothing more than a few rifles. Uh, and and some talk, 
Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think these people were pretty easily led. Yeah. <laughs> I would think, I would also, I mean, I guess for, you know, for casting purposes and money purposes, of course, they didn't have a lot of people. I would think there would be more people there too. I'm like, ah, oh, no big deal. There's enough people to be witnesses to such a thing. But, but yeah, they just, they just, they were very angry at him. So they just easily took him down. I was like, dang. Well, it's better, well, it's better than taking him to get court-martialed or, or not. So I guess those people took care of him instead of SG-1. Yeah. And also, in their defense, I don't think they realized that they were killing him. Hmm. Because what he said was, I'm sending them back, you know, to the demon realm whence they came. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, they don't know how the Stargate works and... Uh, you know they don't. They certainly wouldn't understand the iris and and the the IDC signals and stuff. So uh, they may have just thought they were getting rid of him. But then we have a, a, a really wonderful moment between Sam and Jack, where Sam is like, you know, I could have could have stopped all of this before it even started. You know, I had the gun on him. He even said to me, you know, go ahead, shoot me, go ahead. And Jack says that killing a man is no badge of honor. And while that was a wonderful moment, I couldn't help but think killing a bad guy you know is bad. Mm-hmm. Killing a bunch of bad guys you don't know happens every episode. I know. <laughs> it's kind of funny how, how that plays out. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was still, you know, that's where, where we get the, the whole title of the episode. And, and, it, it, and it's a wonderfully Jack moment. Because he, he takes the Bible that, that uh, Hansen had been holding on to. And he says, you know, I don't know too much about this thing, but I seem to recall some commandments in here. And and the first one, and she goes, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no no idols before me. And he's like, um, okay, maybe it's not the first one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the killing one. Yeah, that one, the killing one. <laughs> yeah, so that, that that was a nice moment, too. We got a nice little bit of comic relief at the end which we really needed. This was a rough episode. Uh, not rough as in badly done. I mean, rough as in this was a, this was a, a tense, really, you know, kind of edge of your seat sort of thing. Not, not that there was ever any doubt that our main people weren't going to survive, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, this, this one, this one started off grim and stayed grim all the way through. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of, you know, comic relief or like happiness other than, Towards the end with the people of the planet being like, okay, we can, where Jamal was like, we can explore the world now. Like, is the world like a large, big place? And like, yeah, it is. It's like, you have no idea how big this place is. And it just gave them a little bit of hope, I guess. Now, one thing I was curious about, because when when, uh, Jack goes to rescue Connor, the first thing he does is takes out one of uh, Jonas's guards with a blow dart. And uh, I, I... in my time in the Air Force, we didn't get any blow dart training. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a really long shot. Yeah. We got him with the first shot the first time. That's some pretty strong, powerful lungs he's got going on there. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty impressive. Have you ever tried using a blow dart? No, I don't. I don't I've never come into that situation. I, I, would... I, I have. I had, a, I had a friend in high school who liked to collect stuff like that. <laughs> And I've tried using a blowgun, and it's not easy. Yeah, it's like I would imagine it's like doing a pulmonary function test, and those are those are hard to like <laughs> like yeah, like blow as hard as possible, like fill in your lungs and then blow as hard and keep blowing. I'm just like, well, I can't do that. That's you have to keep going. I'm like, oh, just like leave me alone. I don't want to breathe anymore. <laughs> well, and never mind getting the dart out with enough velocity. Just aiming the damn thing is tricky. It's not. It's, yeah, it's kind of funny. And the funny thing, too, is, like, when the guy fell over over the rocks, like, there's no one really around to see. Like, no one, like, made a big commotion. He just fell down off a little ledge. No big deal. It was kind of weird how that happened. Yeah, there there were a few weird, well, not weirdnesses, but, uh, like, the, the, the big wide shots of all the workers working. Uh, and and I understand from a, from a prop standpoint you kind of have to do this, but almost everybody that was far enough away from the camera, you could see that they were hammering very carefully so as not to break the, the props. Uh-huh. You know, they weren't really banging them and they weren't hammering very quickly. It wasn't until you got up to the people that were the closest to the camera who were actually using real metal pickaxes and were, were hitting the rocks with any real force. 
Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not even something that I caught the second time. Now, granted, I tend to look for stuff like this over the years because I, you know, every now and then I'll catch it. Uh, but it, 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 in that scene, it kind of stood out that everybody in the background was just kind of swinging really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, at first, for me, when I watched, first watched this episode, I kind of like got taken out of it because of the fact that Jonas was played by William Russ and you'll know him from he I mainly knew him from being the father of Boy Meets World like the TV series on ABC that was like in 93 to whatever uh, Oh, I never saw that. So see, I grew up with that. So it just was so weird seeing this, you know, all-American family dad playing crazy guy. <laughs> I was like I don't know if I can I was like this is just too weird for me. But then the second time around I watched it I'm like okay. I'm okay. I've I've adjusted so it was he he plays he plays a good kind of crazy. Yeah, I liked his his portrayal of crazy because it wasn't it wasn't manic. It was very calculating. It was very understated. One of the best Star Trek movies and yeah, I'm going to stop apologizing for making Star Trek comparisons with this. This is my last time <laughs> for apologizing. Um uh the the director's commentary on Star Trek 2: The Wrath of Khan Nicholas Meyer, who was the director, was was telling a story about uh, when he f- when the first scene they shot with Ricardo Montalban. Now, ha- have you seen Wrath of Khan? No, I, that's one of oh. my. I'm, I, <sighs> I, I know it's a sin. It's a sin. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's on, is it still on Netflix? Cause like it was on my queue. I'm not sure if they got rid of it. It, it, I, it probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if not, send me your address. I'll send you my DVD. It's okay. I, ha- I can I can obtain it. I have no problem obtaining it. When they, when they were for, the first scene they were doing was the first time we see Khan and Walter Koenig who plays Chekhov mm-hmm. and um, Paul Winfield um, and and Ricardo Montalban and Khan is supposed to have been driven insane by his fifteen years of exile at the hands of Captain Kirk um, and so uh, Montalban was just being you know crazy with histrionics and screaming and yelling and stuff and it just wasn't working and Meyer took him aside and he said when you're playing crazy never show them your top and Montalban was like oh yes I see and so for the rest of the film from from that point on he played Khan very understated and and almost gentle except for a few times where he would lose it and just go manic for like one line and then pull it back in. And it was so much more effective that way. And I think that's what uh, Russ was doing with this. He played Hanson very low key so that at the times when he did lose it and go up, it be, it was that much more effective. Yeah. That's, no, that makes, that makes it, that makes some sense. But yeah, just, just being, yeah, don't, I don't, I think, you know, certain kinds of crazies, like there's, there's Joker crazy and then there's like Hannibal crazy. Like you have the two yeah. different ends of the spectrum where like, you know, you just people, you like, you know, that guy's crazy for like that, that, that quiet crazy, like that calculating crazy is, I think is a little bit more, it's definitely something to be feared because like there's definitely many movies out there and shows where they have that calculating crazy person that's always calm. And, but when you see them start to like show their craziness, you're just like, oh man, that's just. I don't know, just I guess it builds up that sort of fear of those kind of, of the of that character, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. H- Hansen was uh, you know, a, a a worthy opponent. He wasn't just some nutbag out there telling a few few uh crazy natives what to do. He he was he you did not feel bad when they finally had to kill him, you know. It was like this guy needs to be taken out mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah, like nothing good will come of him being alive. Obviously. Yeah. So tell me something. So okay, because I didn't really fully pay attention to. Well, I didn't really look into it. But when they first said like the um, anthropologist guy that was working with uh, what's his name Cross, uh-huh. no, not, the guy who played Cross, Cross uh, Connor. Connor, Connor. When they said like his his guy his partner or well, the anthropologist his, his name was Frakes, I'm like. Did Jonathan Frakes? Did he direct this thing? Cause like for some reason, I thought he directed it, but he did. He didn't. Somebody else no. did. But then I looked into it, and I was like looking into like who are all the directors for season one, and um, like a good portion of the directors for season one, like a, a lot of it was. Um, let me see. I just saw this. Like 
I just had this list up. Oh yeah, Peter DeLuise apparently directed 56 episodes of season one. I'm like, that's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just like from 1999-2007, he directed 56 episodes. Jinkies. He's he's the top one of the directors. I'm like, that's Dom DeLuise's kid. Yeah. yeah, Like, so funny. But yeah. But I don't think there is anything else as much to say about it, so. Yeah, I couldn't find any really good trivia about this one. Um you know, there were there was a, a a few goofs listed that are really 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 nitpicky and yeah. not even worth talking about. Yeah. So let's let's go on to listener email. Okay. Um. So uh, <laughs> again, I are you okay? No, sorry, it's my cat. He's being a cat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sounded like your desk fell over. No, uh, <laughs> took over a box. Ah. Um. Okay. I uh, got a couple of emails that are, are kind of old and I, I have to apologize again for my, uh, you know, y'all following what I asked you to do and then me forgetting to, to check on it. Um, uh, you know, I said, write to us at the Starbase 66 Gmail and then I'll do my best to completely forget to look there. <laughs> so uh, we got a couple of emails from Nan Bailey. And so this is going back to, oh, uh, I was asking for opinions about how uh, we should structure the show. And uh, she says, Rick and Roe, hi, great job so far. I'm enjoying the discussions. In response to Rick's question about including the summary, I think you need to find a style that works best for both of you. I always enjoy the mission log summaries too. Uh, If you recall, I, I used mission log as one example of how to do an episode by episode review show. Uh, I think in part because they're also commenting on the plot and or characters as they go, even though it's not in depth. Another style I've enjoyed is employed by a podcast that intends to discuss story elements and character development. So they discuss these matters in depth as they go through the entire story and then have a short discussion at the end to summarize their thoughts, uh, which is actually kind of what we just did. And uh, I, I think, uh, Ro, unless you strongly disagree, that... This worked really well today. Yeah, I'm totally down um, for whatever. Whatever, you know, just... Because there's always something to think about, you know, just... Yeah, we're still playing around with it, but that that sounds good. Yeah, I think I think this is... I think we're getting closer to it. Um, uh, a couple of other episodic discussion podcasts I listen to present a summary and then go through scene by scene. Uh, I do not recommend this method, method because it leads to the feeling that we've already discussed this part. Uh, I do believe that some sort of summary is necessary... Uh, when Mission Log was doing the original series, I could not watch the episodes under the discussion, so the summaries helped me remember what they were talking about. Uh, however, I do believe that the method you use should be comfortable for both of you, so I'm not recommending any particular procedure, just providing options. And uh, thank you so much, Nan. That is uh, that is exactly the kind of feedback I was hoping to get. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then uh, she also sent us an email about Emancipated, which would be two shows ago now. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> actually, you may, you may be, be surprised at this. Okay. Uh, she says, hi, I'm quite surprised at how much this episode is disliked and a coworker shares my opinion. I remember clearly enjoying it the first time it aired. Of course, that was before Carter was a fully realized character, but I remember being quite impressed that not only did the men allow her to do her own fighting in the end, they obviously went in with that as the plan. I share the belief that the Carter we came to know would have tried to escape earlier, but I also have the admittedly unsubstantiated belief that Carter and her captor were not alone on the trail, and she did not attempt escapes for herself and the girl once the full situation was clear. They also admittedly spent too long on the amazed looks, although I believe that some amazement was called for. I'm always impressed when I see a co-worker or family member dressed up after a long time of everyday clothes. After all of that, the upshot is that I completely understand the objections raised in the podcast, and I can totally see the correlations to Code of Honor. Uh, But this is a highlight episode for me, and I can't believe that it's skipped in syndication. There are episodes coming that I would skip before I would ever ever even consider skipping this one. Man. That makes sense. I mean, I I, I totally agree with that. I mean, because... I remember when I first watched it, I was like, yeah, kick butt, women. But, you know, like I said, we talked about that this, this was, like, not one of the, like, this is, like, the, like, least popular episode of the entire first uh, season, if not possibly series. But, yeah, I mean, I'd still, I would watch it again, because, like, I think it was kind of funny with the, 
the reactions from the um, indigenous people. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think that maybe we might have been a little harsher on the episode, or I, I let let me let me rephrase that. I think maybe I was a little harsher on the episode than it deserved. Uh, I got a couple of other uh, responses about it. Uh, Scott Redman, hey Scott, how's it going? Agreed that it was you know worst episode ever. Um, but I got a, got a couple of other people who, uh, and I, I wish I could remember where I think it was. I think it might have been uh, might have been a Facebook thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, who basically said, "Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I liked it. You know, yeah, it was a little. It could have been better, but it certainly wasn't that bad. So maybe I was a little harsher than it needed. But uh, as I said in the episode, I'm, I may be a little overly aware of of feminist issues especially these days mm-hmm. lots of issues <laughs> lots, of, yeah. lots, of, lots of issues going around <laughs> in regards to equality but no yeah I, I i understand it i understand you on that one but folks please continue to write in we we would love to hear your opinions uh and especially uh now that we're we're kind of finding our stride i think and uh, i'm no longer dragging ass on every mm-hmm. show uh, and I'm finally moved in, so I have more time to concentrate on things. Just got to unpack a few more things. But now I, I have, oh, I'm so excited. I have a weekend where I have no plans. It's like the best Sweet. feeling ever. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> oh. All right, folks. Well, uh, still for the time being, because I keep forgetting to bug Rich about it. Uh, if you would like to email us, you may do so at starbase sixty six. That's six six the numbers uh, at gmail.com or you can uh, find both of us on Facebook. Ro, can you? I can never remember the Twitter handle. Uh, seventh she- at seventh Chevron Pod. So seven the number seven th Chevron Pod. So yeah, getting a few more followers here and there. People tweeting about us like Andrew Neal at Toxic Death. You know he's like caught up on watching Stargate SG One. Now I can listen to the few episodes from us. So thanks for listening as well as Wealthy Ardvark. He is cool. I. So yeah, thanks Twitter people for listening and letting us know what you think. You know, I had a wonderful four-hour recording session with Andrew a few years back where we got incredibly hammered and talked about Alien. Uh, Andrew's a really cool dude. That's cool. That's yeah. Getting hammered in podcasting is something that is <laughs> not foreign to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to wrap this one up. We certainly had a good time. Ro, thank you so much. Oh, thank you again for having me. It's great. It's fun. Yay. And, folks, we want to hear from you. We've told you how to do that. So uh, write us, talk to us, let us know. And at the very least, we will talk to you again really soon. Take care and bye-bye. Later. <laughs>